Okay, we're in lesson 31. We're going to look at Moses' third lesson today. Now remember, when you look at Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy basically is can be divided into four messages that Moses gave to the children of Israel before his death, before they enter into the promised land. And the fifth section of Deuteronomy is basically the transition of power from Moses to Joshua. A final message from him is called the Song of Moses and then the record of his death. Okay, so today we're going to look at the third message. Next week we'll look at the fourth message. And then the week after that we'll look at the transition. Okay, and then it will be through Deuteronomy. But there are some things you need to kind of pick up out of this passage today. Now, we're going to look at chapters 27, verse 1, through chapter 29, verse 1. That's the section that is entitled the third message. So, uh, what we're going to see, first of all, in chapter 27, is the covenant renewed. Now, again, the covenant, just so you understand, we would think of it as the old covenant, because we're under the new covenant with Christ. But it's basically the law that was given to them where? At Mount Sinai. Okay, so it's going to be renewed with them. They've got to, they've basically got to recommit themselves to that before they go into the land. And again, we're not going to read these passages. There's a lot here, but we're just going to kind of go through it in a survey sense for you. Okay? So when you come to verses 1 to 4 of chapter 27, there's a command to write. Now this is interesting what they're supposed to do. Usually when you think of, you know, like, hey, we're having a meeting. Rob, you take notes. And where would Rob take notes? Where he'd get a piece of paper out and he'd write the notes down from the meeting, right? Okay. Usually when we think of a command to write, we're thinking about writing something down on a piece of paper and we'll have it later, okay? When you look at verses 1 to 4, it's actually quite interesting what they're told to write on, Okay. So, the people were commanded to set up large, whitewashed stones and write the law on them. That's what they're told to write it on. So when they enter into the land, they're told to set up large, that's big, whitewashed, all right, so that means they have to paint them, Stones, okay? And then on the stones, they're to write the entire law on the stones. Which, folks, are what? The law, that, that would be the, the books of the Bible here, the first five. Isn't that amazing? They're to write them on the stones, okay? Now, let me ask you a question. Why? Why does God want them to do that? Oh, they would be able, some of them would be able to read. Okay? Some of them would be able to read. Okay? Okay, as a reminder, but what, I mean, wh why? Why do we, why do we set up stones, have writing on them? You know? What's that? The law won't change. Okay, that's good, John. 
Anybody else? Okay. It's always in front of. Okay, so like here in, Ker here in Kerwinsville, we got the Doughboy here in Kerwinsville. And right up there are some stones. They're granite stones. And on those stones are names of what? Yeah, p people who served or died in battle. And there to be a reminder to us of what? The sacrifice that was made. Usually we have monuments. This is kind of like a monument that's being set up here. A monument to a specific thing. And these are supposed to be specifically to what? Remind them of what, folks? God's law. Okay? God's law. So it's not like just write it down. Like if I told Rob, Rob take notes, he could stick it in his truck and he won't find it for two years in there. Or, you know, saying, or he could, you know, hand it to me and I file it away and will not look at it again for 20 years. You know what I'm saying? But this is out in the open, big whitewashed stones with writing on them. It's amazing, isn't it? Okay? All right, let's go on. They were also to build an altar made with uncut stones and offer burnt sacrifices to the Lord. So at the place where they have these whitewashed stones, they were to build an altar with uncut stones. Now this is significant because whenever you see altars being made to the Lord, like you'll see several other prophets will like Elijah when he comes he'll repair an altar to the Lord they they typically are stones that are uncut they're just natural stones and they're offered burnt sacrifice on them. why uncut stones why not cut stones why not be perfect you know what I'm saying like some of you you've got your barbecue pits at home they're nice square stones or whatever that you have you make them look nice right but that's not true here. Why uncut stones? What do you think? Well, okay, yeah, not by him. Probably natural, do you understand? Versus, like, typically when you talk about altars to false gods, they were a lot of effort put into them. But just think about that, okay? Here's the other one. Because they were the people of God, they were challenged to obey and follow his commandments. We're also going to see that here. Because they were the people of God, they're now challenged, verses 9 through 11, to live like the people of God. Because they are standing out among the world, they're challenged to live like the people of God. Now, isn't that interesting? Do you think that challenge is still true for us today? We don't hear it much anymore. In fact, there's a line out there, you know, come to Jesus, you can do whatever you want to do, just come to Jesus. No, 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 no. If you're going to be the people of God, you need to what? Live like the people of God. You need to live for him, challenge to live for him and be obedient. So like this morning, I read Oswald Chambers, My Utmost for His Highest. I would encourage you to read it. It's actually on our church app. If you go there to the more section, you'll see it. Yesterday, the, the reading was uh, the importance of being obedient. Okay? Today's reading, okay, you're obedient, what next? Well, his point was is that oftentimes we are obedient with an eye to the future. If I'm obedient, God, what are you going to do for me? And Oswald Chambers' point is, wrong way to view it. You need to be obedient because God told you to be obedient because God exists in the now with you, 
not what he's going to do for you later on. Do you understand you're obedient because he simply told you to do it? Did you understand what I'm saying? Not because I'm hoping for something. God, if I'm obedient, bless my work, bless my paycheck. Do you know what I'm saying? It's because of now. And that's what the, we're called to be obedient people. The people of God here were called to be obedient. Follow his commands. Which we know they didn't do good at. All right. So then here's what happens. There is a, an arrangement of the tribes here on two different mountains. Okay, so the tribes were arranged on two mountains that are facing each other according to the wives of Jacob. So based on, you know, Jacob had four wives. Each wives had certain number of boys. Those were the tribes. Based on the arrangement of the wives, the tribes were arranged on these two mountains. Okay? The tribes were arranged on two, two mountains. Except, except the Levites. The Levites, the tribe of Levi, were placed in the valley between the two mountains. Okay, so when you read that, you're going to see based on the on, on the, which wife they belong to. They're placed on these mountains. But then you're going to see in the middle, in the valley, uh, the uh, Levites are placed. So then here, as they're there, Moses gives 12 curses. Okay? 12 curses for not being obedient. So he wants them to understand the seriousness of their sin. So he is basically cursing them, all right? Twelve curses. First of all, we see this in chapter 27, verses 15 through 26. So I'm just going to put these up on the wall, make some comments as we go along, okay? So twelve curses. The first one was, cursed is the one who has a secret idol. Verse 15. What do you mean a secret idol? Well, it's possible that there are people among the Israelites who on the outside look like they're worshiping God, but then when you go in their house in a secret closet somewhere, not that they had closets, but in a secret place somewhere, they had an idol set up. And so God is saying to them, I know that, I know what you're doing, and I curse you. In fact, it's interesting, if you go to Ezekiel, Ezekiel, one of the visions, he sees supposedly good elders worshiping secret idols of the heart in Ezekiel. God's, God shows them that. So God is aware of where they're at. Here we see a curse concerning those who set up secret idols. Verse 16, a curse concerning treating parents with contempt. Remember, that's one of the Ten Commandments. Honor your mother and father, Right? The, and, and honor your mother and father so that you'll have long life, is what it says. Here, verse 16 of chapter 27, we see there is a curse concerning treating your parents with contempt. There's a curse in verse 17 concerning the movement of ancient landmarks. All right, why was that significant? Remember, we talked about this before. Why was it significant that they had to leave the ancient landmarks? Yeah, because of the provision. Remember? When they came in, every family was given 
in the tribe, the tribe was given a provision, the families were given, that was the markers of the property that belonged to you. That was your inheritance from the Lord. You move those ancient landmarks, that changes what? The provision. So it was a curse to those who would move the ancient landmarks. Here's one. A curse to those concerning those who mistreat the blind. Very clearly it talks about those who mistreat the blind. That is leading the blind somewhere. that they Because a blind person is basically helpless is what it's, it's the point here. And for somebody to mistreat them, they're cursed. Verse 19. Concerning the perversion of justice for the helpless, they're cursed. So the helpless here, he's mentioning three specific groups of people that are helpless. Number one, the widows. Number two, the fatherless. And number three, the stranger in the land. And so if you pervert justice against these three helpless groups, you're cursed, is what he's saying here. Okay? Uh, pretty self-explanatory. Verse 20, concerning sex with your father's wife. All right? You're like, what? What? What are you doing? Well, it may be, remember, that your, your, your father may have another wife. If you have intimate relationships with her, that was cursed. In fact, we see that if you go all the way over to 1 Corinthians chapter 5, there's somebody who did that. And Paul said that that was not even named among Gentiles. Throw that brother out of the church. Okay? Bestiality, sex with an animal, that's cursed. Verse 21. Verse 22, concerning sex with your sister, incest. Okay? Verse 23, concerning sex with your mother-in-law, that's cursed. Concerning attacking your neighbor secretly, verse 24. So if you attack your neighbor secretly, in whatever form that takes, that's a curse. Verse 25, concerning taking money to kill the innocent. It refers to it as a bribe here. That is, you hire yourself out to be a hitman. Okay? You are cursed. And then verse 12, excuse me, the 12th curse, verse 26 is concerning not confirming the law of God. You're cursed if you don't affirm and confirm the law of God in your life. Alright? Now, with that, while they're standing on that mountain, okay, Chapter 28 then goes into the blessings and cursings. Moses is going to offer a set of blessings if they follow the law, if they keep the covenant, and then he's going to utter some curses if they don't keep the covenant. Now this is very significant, okay? Very significant. Stop. First of all, there is a theology that's out there right now. It's called replacement theology. How many of you have ever heard of that theology? Replacement theology. Okay. All right, a couple of you have. Replacement theology is basically the viewpoint that the church is the new Israel. Okay? The church, you're like, what? That's crazy. Well, that's because we don't teach that here. Okay? And there's a reason why we don't teach that. And I'm going to explain that to you. 
basically it's a viewpoint among some churches, some some Christians that the church, the Israel, the old Israel's done away. They don't have any more. They disqualified themselves. God has now turned his attention to the church and we receive all of the blessings of the old covenant. Okay? We receive all the blessings of the old covenant. The problem with that is those guys who hold that view want to accept the blessings, but they don't want to accept the curses. Well, you can't have that, right? If we're the new Israel, then the curses belong to us too, right? But we're not the new Israel. Okay? We're not the new Israel. Alright? So first of all, under the law, the blessing of God was conditioned upon Israel's obedience to the Lord. So right off the bat, with the Old Covenant, I want you to hear me, with the Old Covenant, the blessing of God upon Israel was conditioned on one thing, folks. Their being obedient to the Lord, to the Covenant. Do you understand that? The blessing of God under the Old Covenant, which had nothing to do with anybody else but just Israel, was conditioned upon their being obedient to the law. Alright? So because of their obedience to God and His commandments, Israel would be blessed in the following ways. Okay? So here they are. They would be blessed in the city and in the country. Alright, so some of them would live in cities, some of them would live out in the country, and wherever they were, if they were obedient, God would bless them. Alright? They would be blessed in their offspring, in their herds, and their fields. They would have lots of kids, their herds would be plentiful and big, and their fields would be bountiful, God is saying in these passages. Wow, that's pretty good, right? Okay. They will be blessed in the food basket and the kneading bowl. What's the kneading bowl? Why is that significant? Well, they made their own bread every day. So the kneading bowl would not lack what? Flour and oil. They would be blessed in the kneading bowl and in the food basket. They would have what they need. God is saying that to them here. They would be blessed in these areas. And they would be blessed in their coming and going. Basically, as they go about life, they would be blessed. Isn't that interesting? All right, now stop for a moment. What is the condition of this blessing? Obedience. Okay, stop for a moment. Oftentimes, you'll hear on TV a prosperity theologian point to these blessings, but he conditions the blessings of God here based on one thing, whether or not you have enough what? Faith. Yeah, but that's not what the passage is talking about here. If you read the passage, the context of the passage, what is the basis of, of being blessed here by the Lord in the Old Covenant? Obedience. Not how much faith you have, but whether or not you're doing what God wants you to do. See, they're twisting it so that you give them money. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you give them money. Don't do that. Okay. Don't be sending for that handkerchief that he cried over, okay? Not that you guys would do that anyhow. All right, so those, those are the blessings. Here's the Lord's promises. He told them, if they're obedient, he's promising them several things. Chapter 28, verses 7 through 14. Number one, he's promising this, military success. 
You don't need to worry about your enemies. You will be successful. Number two, economic success. When you look there, Scripture very clearly talks about describing that they will be, he promises them they will be blessed with economic success. Here's a third one. They'll be recognized and feared as God's holy people, holy and special people. It says very clearly. The rest of the nations will look at them and they'll recognize them as what? God's holy people. Because here's the thing, when you read the prophets later on, God very clearly says because of the judgment, they will be a testimony to the nations of their, because they were judged, that they weren't God's, they were being facing the retribution of God. Okay, but here it's saying, if you're obedient, I'm promising you, you will be God's holy and special people. This is what he's saying to Israel. Here's the other one. An abundance of goods and produce. Yeah, he's promising them. You're going to be okay. Agricultural success. Now, that's very important. Why? Because they're an agricultural society. Israel is an agricultural society. So having agricultural success, that's very important. And then here's the other one. They'll have prominence. They'll be prominent among the nations because they're God's special people. Those are the things they promise. Now you're looking there and you're saying, wow, George, you know, I've read through the Old Testament. I don't see any of those promises being fulfilled. Yeah. Remember what they're conditioned on. What are they conditioned on? Obedience. So what do you know from the Old Testament? Were they obedient? No. Not at all. Even when they had good godly kings, they weren't 100% obedient. Do you understand? Even when they had good godly kings, they weren't 100% obedient. So they never really truly experienced all of these promises. Do you understand? Okay, let's go on. So if Israel refused to obey God and his commandments, the following would be cursed. Okay, so if they refused, the following would be cursed. And it's basically the same thing. They would be cursed in the city and the country. They would be cursed in the city and the country. They would be cursed in the food basket and the kneading bowl. It's the same ones, except the order's reversed a little bit. But he's saying, you're not going to, you're going to be, not instead of being blessed, you're going to be cursed. They will be cursed in their offspring, their fields, and their herds. And they will be cursed in their coming and goings. So God says, okay, it's the reverse. You don't want to do this. I'm going to curse you in this way. All right? I'm going to curse you in this way. Now, here are the Lord's judgments on them if they choose to disobey. We see this in verses 20 through 44. Now, I'm not going to go, I'm just going to go through the categories here with you. Um, but you could, as we go through this, I want you to think about something. Think for a moment. Ponder what's happening here. All right? Here are the Lord's judgments if they're disobedient. Number one, horrible destruction. Hmm. Has that one happened? Not once, twice. Once with the Babylonian captivity, once with the destruction of Jerusalem by who? Rome. Both instances, the entire city is razed to the ground. The land is devastated. Disease. Drought, 
defeat in battle, physical and mental diseases of Egypt. So when you look at basically what it's saying there is the things that Egypt experienced through the plagues, they would experience. Okay? Oppressed and robbed. They would be brought into exile. We know that's true. Why do you think there are Jews all over the world? They were scattered. They were brought into exile. Crop failures and economic ruin. That's what he said would be the judgments upon them. Folks, they're still living those judgments to this day. Was that not true? Why? Because their failure to obey the Lord and to recognize who the Lord is. The Messiah. Okay? Jesus. Moses assumes... Now, if you go on, if you get to verse 45 to 48, it's very interesting here. Remember, he's giving this to them before they enter into the promised land. And when you read the passage... Moses assumes that Israel will receive this curse, these curses because of their future disobedience. He's telling them, guys, these things I just laid out for you, you're going to experience because you're not going to, your heart's going to turn away from the Lord. Now, I can almost imagine their reaction. Because you and I have had probably the same experience where somebody will say, you're going to go off and do this. Oh, no, I won't. It's like Peter. Remember Peter? Peter, you're going to deny me three times. No, no, no. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'll kill for you, Jesus. No, no, you're going to deny me three times. You and I face similar situations where somebody's saying to us, you're going to do this, and we're like, no, no, we're not. Well, same thing here. Moses says, yeah, you guys are going to depart from the Lord, and you're going to experience these things. He already assumes that they're going to experience these things. Why? Because he just spent 40 years with them in the desert. How they've been doing as far as obedience. Not good at all. Okay? Not good at all. Okay? So these judgments will serve as a reminder to them that they did not serve the Lord. One of the interesting things that is interesting to me is in Ezekiel, as you get to the latter chapters of Ezekiel where it talks about the restoration of Israel, one of the things that they're going to remember, isn't this amazing? Even when they're with the Lord, they're going to remember that at one time they were what? Disobedient. Disobedient. Which will help them to what? Grasp the reality of the salvation that they have now. Okay? So Moses is saying to them, these judgments will serve as a reminder to them that they did not serve the Lord. Here, he also prophetically, this is interesting, this is prophetically, the Lord will bring a nation against them that was swift and destructive like an eagle. Isn't that interesting? Ezekiel actually, in its prophecy, refers to an eagle that will come and destroy them. That eagle being who? Babylon. Babylon. Besiege the city. Here is Moses, how many hundreds of years beforehand, telling them God's going to send a nation swift and destructive like an eagle. Get to Ezekiel, he talks about what? An eagle destroying them. Babylon. This nation will besiege them so that they will eat their own children in desperation. That's pretty terrible, isn't it? He goes on and even says that those who are actually good of heart will end up eating their own kids. Why? Because they're starving. 
because their cities will be besieged. There's no food coming in. There's no food there, so they have to survive. So they'll end up eating their own kids. Moses is warning them that this is going to take place. Wow, and it did. It did. It did take place. The Lord will bring on them every disease and they will be scattered and go into exile. That's why you see Jews all over the world today, folks. And that's why there is a promise in the scripture that he will what? Bring them all back. Which, isn't that happening now? You know what I'm saying? Isn't that happening now? God is bringing them back. Okay? Bringing them back. So the writer records that these are the words that Moses gave Israel in the land of Moab. Okay? These are the words that God gave Moses in the land of Moab. Now, next week we're going to look at the fourth message. Okay? The fourth message, and then after that, of course, we're going to talk about the transition.